closest trooper. The soldier was facing in the other direction, watching the laborers. The man in the ditch placed his right index finger on the trigger of the commando. Four feet. The soldier, backing toward him, took another step. Now! Get down! The big man shouted as he rose to his knees, not bothering to wait and see if any of the prisoners complied with his command. He angled the commando upward and pulled the trigger, the stock bucking against his shoulder as a burst ripped into the nearest soldier, the heavy slugs catching the man at the neck and nearly decapitating him, showering blood and flesh everywhere. The trooper never knew what hit him. Get down! The man with the bowies repeated, rising, sweeping the commando to the right. Another soldier was attempting to bring his M-16 into play. The big man let him have it in the chest, the impact flinging the trooper to the ground, his chest exploding in a crimson spray. Bedlam ensued. The prisoners dropped to the asphalt, removing themselves from the line of fire as quickly as possible. Hickok popped up from behind the pile of asphalt sacks, the Henry leveling as he sighted on a nearby guard. The forty-four forty boomed, and the soldier was propelled backward, collapsing in a disjointed heap. Hickok swiveled and fired again, downing a second foe. The man in the black vest started toward the prisoners, spotting Geronimo as the black-haired warrior rose from the concealment in a cluster of sagebrush and let loose with an FNC auto-rifle, ripping one of the hapless soldiers from his crotch to his forehead. Geronimo was also armed with an Arminius three fifty seven Magnum in a shoulder holster under his right arm, and a genuine tomahawk tucked under the front of his leather belt. Beyond the stack of asphalt bags, a tall man with a bristly black beard and bushy eyebrows, dressed in tattered patched jeans and a faded brown flannel shirt, jumped up from the ditch and pulled the trigger on a Winchester 1300 XTR pump shotgun. A soldier in front of him was struck in the stomach and almost cut in two by the buckshot. The bearded man, the one called Orson, pivoted and blasted a youthful trooper vainly turning to flee. The man in the vest saw two soldiers at the far end of the work detail running in the direction of the vehicles. Where the hell was Rudabaugh? Even as he mentally asked the question, Rudabaugh came into view near a small bush, his black western-style clothes a sharp contrast to the surrounding vegetation, his hawkish features grim and determined, a heckler and cock double-action automatic held in each hand. The forty-fives cracked, and a pair of fleeing troopers dropped in their tracks. The big man glanced toward the vehicles in time to see a furry figure pounce from the top of one of the troop transports. The figure landed on the officer, knocking him to the ground. There was a flash of lightning claws, punctuated by a hideous shriek, and in an instant the officer and his two companions were dead, their throats torn open, gaping at the blue sky with lifeless eyes. And that made it twelve. Geronimo approached the man in the black vest. "'Any orders, Blade?' The big man nodded. Check the bodies, he instructed. If any are still alive, then put them out of their misery. We'll do, Geronimo ran off to comply. Hickok strolled over to Blade, a grin on his handsome face, his long blonde mustache drooping over the corners of his mouth, his blue eyes twinkling. I knew these wimps wouldn't be a problem. It was a piece of cake. It's just the beginning, Blade reminded him. He stared at the Indians. All forty-eight were prone on the highway. Miraculously, none of them had been hit. Orson, Rudabaugh, and Lynx walked up to the muscular giant. Orson, Blade directed, see if you can find the keys to these shackles on one of the soldiers. Your best bet would be the officer. Orson's pudgy features twisted in a frown. Why should I do it? I'm not your errand boy. Have somebody else do it.
Hickok took a step toward Orson, his right hand lowering near the pearl handle of his right python. You keep flapping your gums like that, pardon, I'm just liable to put a hole between those beady eyes of yours. Orson glared at the gunman. You don't scare me, Hickok. Oh, sure, I've heard all about you, how you're supposed to be the fastest man alive with those colts, but you don't scare me. Personally, I think you're a lot of hot air. Before Hickok could respond, or Blade could intervene, a quiet, high-pitched voice interrupted them. What about me, Chuckles? You think I'm a lot of hot air, too? Orson glanced at the speaker, and the faintest flicker of fear was visible in his face. No, Lynx, I never included you in the same category as Hickok. Lynx chuckled, delighted at the unnerving effect he had on the towering Orson. Where Orson stood well over six feet in height, Lynx was only about four feet tall. While Orson weighed over 220 pounds, Lynx weighed...